I only wish I could give back to society like you guys. <laughs> ah. Oh, you will be. That's what this minute's all about. Yeah. This give is how we really give back, back to society. It really is. Yeah. DJ's more like a hobby. This is my job. Right. <laughs> Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi horror suspense with a little bit of mystery at the bottom. Classic. Hmm. Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And I'm Scott Fogel. <laughs> Thank you for returning, Scott, to the show. It's been a while since you've been on, but we're glad you stuck around for another round. Yes. Thank you, I'm Scott. I'm excited and happy yeah. to be here. Awesome. Awesome. We're all happy that you're here, and it's always fun to have a guest. Yeah, this is a good minute. We got another iconic line coming up. So many. It's a good minute, but it's it's starting to mark something that made me sad a little bit in that we're not seeing any living gorillas anymore in this minute. I think we've I seen know. our last living gorilla. We see a little bit off-screen gun, gunfire from above, but I don't think we're going to see any more live gorillas uh, other than Anna, who's yeah. just kind of on the ground as an incapacitated should we hospital. Should we have a quick... Quick eulogy to all of our favorite gorillas. Sure, we could kick in the old... Actually, you know what would work right here would be the end of the movie Alan Silvestri score where you hear the sad, lone trumpet playing as Arnold's about to be picked up by the chopper. So so rest in... Let's see if I can do them in order. Rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'll do them in order that they're introduced. So rest in peace, Moonbeam. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, little Smokey. <laughs> little Smokey. Little Smokey. Little Smokey. Rest in peace, Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, the Red Baron. Red Baron. Red Baron. Rest in peace, oh, Mars guy. Rest in peace, Mars Get guy. your ass to Mars. And... Get your ass to Mars. And rest in peace, Central American Mama Fratelli. <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? Ah, trusted your old mother boy. Throw in the four wheel drive and hold on to your hat. Yes. Oh, don't oh. forget uh, Red Baron. Red Baron. Oh, didn't I get Red Baron? Oh, and Red Baron. Red Baron. And Red Baron. And Red Baron. <laughs> How many times did that man die? <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least three at least three so many if, times. if i look back at the previous minutes before that last minute i think minute 27 so two minutes ago oh, um, well, we might we, find him again i don't know mm, well we enjoyed our time with all of you fantastic gorillas <laughs> and we're sad to see you go well we still we still have a couple of them until the end of this minute and that's the last of them right that's true that's yes. true. That's true. We just don't see him as, as, as what kind of makes me sad thinking about the end of this minute. But you can't think about the end. We need to talk about the beginning. So this is minute 29 of Predator. Minute 29 opens with Dutch calling Mac over Mac! for a chat Mac! and ends with Dylan about to enter Sabin's old palapa. Mm. Mm. A chat. all right so as per usual jeff why don't you start us off with what's happening at the beginning of this minute 
Sure. Uh, does it does it carry over from last minute? Um, Indeed, it carries over. It carries over last minute. <laughs> uh, so, in the at the end of the last minute, Dutch, uh, uh, we we come into contact with the uh, the hostage. We'll later learn later learn that her name is um, Anna, right? Anna, Anna, Anna. Yeah. We'll say Anna. Anna. Okay, and he uh, knocks her out the butt of his gun. And so we get Arnold, and he runs over to the door of the palapa and shouts, and uh, Mac comes over. <laughs> Mac! And, Mac! Mac! And we get, uh, you were saying this is one of the longest lines in the film, right? Yeah. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was starting to compile the lines spoken by the characters in this movie. <laughs> and I don't think it comes as a, as a surprise that this is one of the longer lines with uh, <laughs> Mac speaking Mac, for Mac. a good five or six seconds without any breaks and without any interruptions. I made a, uh, a, a, a Google sheet, Google Excel spreadsheet of all the spoken dialogue and some of the earlier scenes between okay. the general Dylan and Dutch have some long exposition, uh, but this is probably the longest exposition we see in the jungle so far um yeah we get a kind of a big explanation here of essentially uh the the battle is mm-hmm. about over the and, battle uh and mac is kind of the battle <laughs> yeah, the ass kicking is about over and uh <laughs> mac is basically giving us a uh, mac a synopsis of what they have yeah. found um should we do uh should we do a dramatic line reading? Should our should we have our guests yes. do a dramatic line reading? Do you uh, have that'd the be line great. In? Which yeah. one am I doing? Arnold or Mac? Mac. Oh, Scott, you have to. Do, how about you okay. do Mac? Mac. I can do Mac. Mac. And yeah, Jeff will be Mac. Dutch. So Jeff, why don't you take it away? You be Dutch. Any sign of the other hostage? Found the other guy. He's dead too, and the gear in from the chopper. But if they're Central American, well, I'm a goddamn Chinaman. From the looks of it, our cabinet minister was CIA. Another thing, Major, we were lucky. Other guys were waxed. Military, mil- or Russian military advisors, something very big was about to happen here. Good work, Mac. Mac! Clear the area. No traces. Get the men ready to move. Yes, sir. And steam. <laughs> Nicely very done. Nice. Take a bow. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> So, John, what can we? Uh, there's a lot of information here in this paragraph. Well, what are the important points we can pull out from Max's little synopsis here? Um, well, the important little bits that we can come up with is that when you and I, Jeff, were breaking down exactly who they're killing in the guerrilla camp attack here, um, we're looking at some of the people and saying, "Well, they're not looking Central American," and Mac is confirming that that there are these military advisors, these Soviet, uh, Russian, the Soviet military advisors, uh, meaning they're basically doing the same thing the CIA is doing from the other side. And that's something we see at the very beginning of the movie with the CIA presence um, working with the military of that country, whatever that country is. I think it's Guatemala. It's supposed to be in the beginning of the movie versus they cross the border. And now they come across these Soviet forces who are supplying and informing and training possibly these guerrilla fighters in this country, which is, I believe, supposed to be Valverde. Um, but it's still leaving us with a little bit of a mystery, which I really like, which is why I said there's a little bit of mystery at the bottom, uh, at the top of the minute, because uh, all, he's, all Mac is telling us is that something very big was going to 
happen here. He doesn't explain what. We're not going to really find out more details until the next couple of minutes. But it's 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 a nice lead in from the destruction they just caused to what exactly were they destroying? So what do you guys think was going to happen here? He doesn't say what was going to happen. He just something very big was going to happen here. What if they hadn't attacked this camp? What was going to happen? Mm. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. We're, we're never going to find out. <laughs> but if you guys had to predict, if you had to go through your kind of Cold War history, what do you think? This is a good question. Hey, thanks. And, uh... Yeah, <laughs> it's so good that I don't have a good response for you. Okay. I'm um, sensing yeah. drugs uh, and weapons. Okay. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, I, I they do they leave it very very ambiguous mm-hmm. here in this this uh, paragraph, like you said, and I suppose that's by design. But um, you just get the feeling of an overall sense of like covert operations, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've heard over the years when you when you research and look at the history of the Cold War, the United States, Russia, there are a lot of stories of the United States and Russia meddling in smaller countries' affairs, um, particularly when those countries might be leaning more towards a democracy or a, or a communist state. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're just supposed to understand that um, there's some Russian meddling happening here. This ties into what we've talked about with 80s movies needing that, you know, Russian big bad yeah. Soviet presence um, that the Soviets, aka the bad guys, the bad guys. Um, here and they are in the background uh, playing puppeteer a little bit to this scenario. And perhaps that's all we're supposed to know as the audience um, just to know there's kind of a sinister well, motive I, happening. I feel like that's the convenient um, theater of the mind aspect to taking advantage of those archetypes, right? You got big, bad Soviets, and he mm-hmm. can say something as simple as something very big was about to happen here. And you're left to make all the assumptions you want in a three to four second gap. And it, they don't have to color it any more than that. Something pretty big was going to happen here. Yeah, that's a good point. That. A lot, a lot of this can just be chalked up to you know, the the movie magic of way we stop something big. What was it? Don't know. It's it's another like noodle incident waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like when they refer back to Afghanistan, he said, "Trying to forget it." Exactly. Come on. Do you remember Afghanistan? Trying to forget it. Come on. Uh, to Panchito, it's it, it's very similar. It's like we just prevented a big noodle incident. <laughs> what <laughs> whatever that was gonna be. We just we just present prevented it. And yeah, like you all are saying, it's preventing it's it's preventing one side's meddling in favor of another side's. And this turn in this case it's the US, whether that's uh, something Dutch and his team were aware of or not. And you know, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just argue right now that Dutch fully well knew that he was diving into something um, more than he signed up for. Uh, but he yeah, was doing he- it much more as a favor for his friend. Dylan, you Dylan. In the, as as the audience member, you get that impression mm-hmm. from him. You know, almost from the very beginning of the yep. film. Well, you even yeah. say you even note in your notes about the minute when he does that reflective look after he talks to Mac, Mac. where he's angry and kind of questioning Mac. what's Mac. happening. He's also Mac. probably a little pissed at himself because he knew this was an eventuality, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you give that kid in class a little bit of extra leniency, a rope, and they just uh, just kind of let you down. But you're like, mm, I'm still mad about it. Like, I still- and the, ne- the next thing you know, he's raiding a girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you're throwing him against the wall saying, oh, I don't do this kind of work. Around, We're a rescue team, not assassins. We're a rescue team. 
not assassins. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we discuss Max casual Max. racism towards Asian people here? Yeah, he uses a term Chinaman that right is is over, over the last however many years. I'm always surprised when these. T- I guess I'm not that surprised, but I'm a little surprised when these types of things show up. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel that long ago to me. I guess I'm getting old, but it feels like it's not long enough that someone reading the script would be like, maybe we should change the word Chinaman to something else. Yeah. And like all the people that read the script were like, nope, that's fine. And I would, you know, one could argue maybe that's a choice. Like that's his character. He does have this casual racism towards Asians, but I don't actually think so. I think that that was just a a term that was thrown around and uh, no one really cared at the time. I think you're right. I feel like we should address that. Same exact time as this movie came out, I specifically recall watching my mom and my grandpa argue about using those kind of terms at the like Christmas dinner table. Mm. So, yeah. So maybe it was uh, right around the period of, uh, you know, transition, people dropping that word. Blaine uses the, the slur for homosexuals when he's in the chopper. Talking yeah, about yeah, the chewing we talked tobacco. about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so in my head canon, this is probably something maybe a soldier would genuinely say to another soldier, right? Yeah. Knowing that they're on the battlefield, they just scrape by death by many bullets and explosions. Uh, but at the same time, like we, <laughs> that general audience doesn't need to be privy to that, <laughs> right? Sorry. Yeah, just blow up some more gorillas, please. Stop talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> blow something up. All right, so I uh, that's Max conversation. Did, did you guys have anything else, Mac? Mac. Anything else to add um, about this? this scene the aesthetic of the scene or any other details here that we didn't cover uh sure yeah uh, you have john mcturnan doing some of his visual directing where uh, mac is explaining mac, mac. <laughs> what's going on he's, he's doing his big exposition dump and in the background and then which transitions to its own cut scene you have dylan going through these boxes and dylan, taking dylan. out ak-47s and these wooden boxes of ak-47s are next to these ammo boxes you would know these right away these little green boxes uh, with the handles on the sides just full of ammo uh, yeah. and it looks like some of the boxes close to the open flameage not too far away from Dylan <laughs> uh, have some army like print on them and um, there's actually a couple boxes and a couple minutes ago that said U.S. Army I forgot to mention them before but when Billy is oh. gunning down the fake Red Baron two minutes ago one of the boxes clearly says U.S. Army or maybe that was last minute but anyway uh, yeah we're seeing that visual stuff where he's saying something big is going to was it going to happen here and you're seeing oh they're the Soviets were clearly providing these Soviet-made weapons and ammo, maybe some rocket launchers. Um, I I like the way Dylan uh, Dylan Dylan pulls that rifle out of the box and kind of looks at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that makes me smile, but he just kind of like holds it up and stares at it for a little bit, mm-hmm. like like he's never seen one before or something. <laughs> uh, but it's a re- it's a quick little cut, and then it cuts away. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's that look of belief, like I can't believe like the thing that I thought I was going to stop is like the real thing. Like oh, wow, like right. turns out it was it was the right call after all. <laughs> when you yeah, when uh, Jeff mentioned how he was 
picking up the rifle, it made me think of uh, when Mac, Mac. and uh, Arnold were having their dialogue. Mac. I don't know if you Mac. noticed, but when Mac walks mm-hmm. in, he's carrying the gun all wonky and like carrying his bullets in the other hand. He's holding it by its like forward handle. Mm-hmm. That just looks like a terrible idea because yeah. the gun's swinging around. Like I don't know if you noticed oh, that, but yeah. I mean, that's not ideal. You don't want the barrel yeah. just swinging by your face. <laughs> speaking of the barrel i hate how he plants it he's totally just kind of spikes it in front of him and takes off his hat and like when he spikes in front of him and kneels down in front of arnold that barrel is like right under his chin it's like if it, it yeah. runs in the chamber and like something just jostles that trigger like right we're, we're having that predator cause death much earlier for mac mac yeah, he is way too casual with that low. I don't think Jet, Jetty or Blaine in this case would carry his gun like that, for instance. No. No, he would he'd be just <laughs> taking holding uh, at the hip. You know, you might chalk it up to like they just went through this like high intensity stressful battle and now he's just sort of like strolling through the battlefield. He's just kind of hanging on to his gun all casual like mm-hmm. like I made it through that. What's going to stop me now? Type of attitude. Yeah. Um, I just, you know. just took off the football pads after the big game. Yeah. Just kind of. Right. Exactly. I yeah, that's what it looks like. So I just want to put them down somewhere. Sorry for the yeah. sidetrack. That yeah. just, as soon as you said that, it made me think uh, of it. Oh, no. There's no, no sidetracking. Yeah. This is all on track. <laughs> all on brand. Well, and what about, what about the fire? All right. What about the fire? I mean, even John, you and I were joking about that. That's kind of ridiculous. Like, that would be a, a priority to deal with, wouldn't it? Yeah, especially close the to large the fire right by the ammo. It, it, yeah. Exactly. In the field guide, it says, please first put out the fire next to, to the ammo depot. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, man. Yeah, that is a that is a hazard. Yeah. Like, that should be taken care of immediately. Right. And especially because the Palapa walls are like made of straw. Yes. Like explosive <laughs> straw from what we've seen. What I have right, to ask. Right. Yeah. Palapa. You guys have been using it like it's a word that's always been in my vernacular. Is that something you discovered like in the last few <laughs> rounds? That's what this hut is called, a palapa? Yeah, I can't remember. It was like minute okay. three or four where we first see um, okay. the general and Dylan. Dylan! Dylan! In the the hut on the beach and i think i saw it in the script or i just looked it up about that's what you that's what that kind of thatched roof building would be called it'd be called a palapa so we're so we saw them begin the movie kind of palapas and we saw them blow a ton of them up and i think what alan batchelder a guest from three minutes ago two minutes ago and i'm losing track of my minutes a, a previous guest alan batchelder pointed out that palapa derives its name from pulp as in the reason like the, the, i guess the pulpy part of these big leaves uh, as the structural pieces that they're using to build the, the huts. Yeah, and the characters in the film even used the word when they were starting the uh, yes. firestorm down on the uh, guerrilla camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who it was, it was but Dylan. he shouts. It was Dylan. Dylan. Fire at the center of the palapa. Target the center of the palapa! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we get that line. I apologize for the deja vu, but I'm all cut up now. Oh. That's all right. All good. That's all right. All right. Should we move on Let's... to the next little cut scene because we get yeah. a nice iconic line here oh yeah an iconic exchange for i think oh, fans I of this to, movie yeah i have a lot to say about that actually but um if i could just uh describe that we cut away from dutch and we get another one of these awesome like stuff blowing up in a yes. line mm-hmm. as someone's running through the scene which i always love right at yeah. their feet right at punchy feet 
right as Pangio's feet. Doesn't get doesn't get his ankles. Doesn't get his chest. It's perfectly at his feet. Yeah, and they know exactly where he's running because he's running from the background. <laughs> it looks like he just ran along a path to that one spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I watched I watched those two seconds three or four times trying to be like, are there a line of firecrackers there? How does that work? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like how do the squibs work? That that's a good point. I, exactly. No, because it was so perfect. Yeah. Just brrr, along your feet, right? Yeah, it is. It is perfect. It goes right along with him as he's running. Squibs, as I understand it, and I don't know if that's exactly what they use here, but squibs are generally filled with like fake blood, mm-hmm. and squibs are generally set off by the stunt man that's wearing them. So, like when you see a scene where someone is getting shot up by a gun and there's blood flying off of their chest, those are generally squibs that they, the actor himself, is setting off with a trigger that's uh, usually in his hand. For this scene. I'm not quite sure if that is the case. It looks like it might be a series of small like firecrackers or explosions that were just rigged to go off in a line. Mm-hmm. And they had Ponchito just run across that line as they're firing. That's my best guess. Speaking as a professional stuntman. <laughs> Speaking as a professional squid man. Yeah, I think that's, right. that's yeah. probably how they, they should have done it at least. I mean, who knows? If right, they, yes, they, yes. That's how I would have done it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's really effective. Yeah, you have the, you have a sense of uh, probably as close as the gorillas are going to come to actually tag in one of these team members. Well, except for we're going to learn here in the next couple seconds. They, they did kind of tag one of our team members. They, they tagged the big man. So uh, we get another little set of dialogue here. Once mm-hmm. Panchito catches up to Blaine, mm-hmm. should we do another dramatic reading? Yeah, you guys have to do the dramatic reading here. So I think Scott, you have to have to because you're requested this minute. You have to speak from Blaine, and uh, yeah, Jeff wants you to be Panchito. I'll try to be Panchito. Yeah. Okay. Son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. <laughs> you're a hit. You're bleeding, man. <laughs> I ain't got time to bleed. Huh. Okay. You got time to duck? <laughs> and scene. Yeah. <laughs> big boom, big boom, grasping, grasping hat. Yeah. Son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. You're hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Oh. Okay. You got time to duck? It's a great all-around scene right here. Iconic scene, and I I think an underrated line that Ponchito gives in response to one of the top two or three iconic lines in this movie. Okay, I'm really glad you say that it's underrated because that the line that everyone always remembers is uh, "Ain't got time to bleed." I ain't got time to bleed, which is a fantastic line. Oh, it's 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 fantastic. It's iconic for a reason, but underrated for sure is Ponchito's reaction to him. Okay. Like when he says, huh, okay, I've seen this movie so many times yeah. and that all it never fails to make me laugh. Um, just the, not just the line itself, but the look he gives him and the way he says it and like the comedic pause, mm-hmm. like it is perfect comic, comic timing. Like it is, it, in my mind, it's almost, the reaction is almost better than the line itself. Yeah, and, and Blaine catches a little of his like, Huh, okay, and gives him a little side glance like, 
<laughs> uh, like that wasn't what I was expecting. Like what's going to come next? And then, yeah, launches those grenades up there. I think four or five of them. Uh, and then, yeah, he gives him, he gives him the, the retort. You got time to duck. You got time to duck. And then like Scott said, just debris raining over Panchito. Panchito's just grinning like a madman and, <laughs> yes jesse's looking like he doesn't have time to catch oh yeah i thing. love your point you pointed out a he almost comically doesn't react until like things are exploding like yeah. he didn't realize and but but you you guys brought up an awesome point jeff you said you always noticed it enjoy and enjoyed the comedy in punch poncho going huh uh, yeah. But I never ever noticed it until you until I read these notes and then looked at it. I never that just kind of always played right past my Neanderthal brain. I never noticed it. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was damn funny to see, especially to see uh, Blaine's reaction. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty priceless. I love how he just stands there looking at Ponchito even after Ponchito has fired the grenade launcher and is running in <laughs> undercover. Blaine's still just standing there and is almost like an afterthought is like oh yeah i better take some cover <laughs> yeah and this is a i would say it's it's a good indication of their rapport um not only off screen as vietnam vets but in the movie if if you remember on the chopper ride he's blaine is saying this stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus <laughs> and Manchito responds by pointing the grenade launcher toward not towards him but in the vicinity of blaine and says strap this on your sore ass blaine and then they all laugh and stuff. So, so they have that back and forth of, <laughs> I'm going to say tough things. Yeah, but like, I'm going to actually speak with some action, with some grenades launched up there. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Yeah, scrap this on your sore ass plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is an Alabama tick? You know, I, I did a little bit, because this is Predator Minute, I did a little bit of research on <laughs> the most common Alabama tick. Of course you did. Out there. Uh, and this is, information... it, is it in the same environment as an Alabama black snake? <laughs> an Alabama black snake? I don't know that one. Yeah, We're either going to have to cut that one or you're going to have to explain that one. Uh, it's a deeper reference from Apocalypse Now, I think. It's either Apocalypse, what is that? No, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, one okay. of those. What we have here is a magnificent specimen of pure Alabama black snake. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought I recognized go, that. Go ahead and look it up, kids. <laughs> Google image that right there, right now. <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> Uh, but uh, according to the site Alabama Living, uh, the three major species oh. of of Alabama tick are the deer tick, the American dog tick, and the Lone Star tick. Hmm. <laughs> and ticks can be, you know, ticks can give you some nasty, nasty diseases. You have babesiosis. Uh, you have ehrlichiosis, Lyme disease, <laughs> rickettsiosis, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, tularemia, and my favorite, my favorite is Southern tick associated rash illness. Ooh. <laughs> I just Lord. hear that it's like Southern rash illness. It sounds Come. terrible. It sounds all these sound not fun. And from what I was reading, like if some if a tick is dug in, the thing is not to burn it because then it'll kind of melt into your skin. But you have to just tweeze that thing straight out, unless you have a right custom made grenade launcher. 
Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, man. This sounds like there's probably like a weird like subculture of YouTube videos dedicated to Alabama Tech. Yeah, I did not watch any of these. I'm not going that deep in my research. Good, uh, good, good I, idea. I, well, you guys, I, I have a little bit of firsthand experience from uh, Ooh, dealing no with way. A, a, not an Alabama Tech. I think that was, well, no, seriously. Um, <laughs> I think Alabama Tech is just a nice alliteration and sounds good, but the reality mm. is Ticks very hard to get out of something and we had mm-hmm. uh, uh our dog always got ticks when i lived in california um because they were oh, no. all over the place and we, i mean we removed no less i personally ever moved at least 20 from this dog so uh, they just are damn hard to get rid of correctly without causing a problem so i think that's the, anyone who's dealt with that would immediately be like oh well that rebel is or that gorilla he's in there really tight it's gonna be hard to get him out of there mm-hmm. they'll know right. immediately right Heck so yeah. a good analogy you're saying absolutely yeah, yeah so that's great so he <laughs> i love that comic <laughs> timing there he finally does duck underneath the brush with Ponchito, mm-hmm. and we get this nice kind of cascade of dirt coming down on them. And a nice delay, too. He fires the grenades up there, and it takes a couple seconds, and then we get a really satisfying explosion. And we assume that both of these gorillas are now deceased. <laughs> yeah, but I guess my, my, my question here is, who are these gorillas? Are these Mars guy? Get your ass to Mars. And mm. like Red Baron Mark IV, who are apparently making their way like as quickly as they Red could, kind of like their <laughs> Red Baron. Red Baron. I mean, I, I just don't understand who these are supposed to be. If it is the people who are running away just right ten seconds ago, they must be super, super fast. And if not, that means those guys actually escape somehow. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, I think this might be a little bit of a continuity error, um, mm. just for not the long. sake just for the sake of getting this interaction between Poncho and Blaine in, I watched the interview that you linked to John of Mm -hmm. uh, Jesse Ventura talking about this scene. Scott, did you happen to watch that as well? I did. Yeah, you're right. Keep going. Yeah, no. So it sounds like that they filmed this little interaction, this scene after the fact. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it wasn't originally going to be part of the, the storyboard of the, of the whole uh, sequence. So it would make sense that it feels a little out of place or that it seems like um, we're not, you know, we don't see any gorillas up there. We're not really given any context. It seems like this is all happening after the battle is over. We've just had Mac come down the hill and Mac, Mac, Mac. kind of give a synopsis of, in a sense, telling, you know, Dutch everything that's happened now that the battle is over. And now they cut back and turns out Mac. <laughs> back. Turns out there's two more guys that they need to kill as well. So it doesn't quite make sense fully, but if you watch that interview with Jesse Ventura, he talks about how he wanted to have this scene filmed with the two of them because they were both uh, vets, Vietnam vets. Um, Mm -hmm. And John, did you want to speak a little bit to McTiernan's reaction? Uh, Jesse Ventura talks about... (laughs) how he knew once this was filmed that it was going to be included in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it just, and before I talk about that, just a real quick aside, um, the way this scene is 
cut into the movie and the way it's talked about in the interview it makes it seem like this is something that they added on to the movie. Yep. But this scene is in the original script, the, the the way, way back before they started shooting, before they started improvising lines, before they knew who was in the movie. Uh, they had this little exchange between Poncho and Blaine. And in fact, uh, Poncho's actually following Blaine's suggestion that they don't have all day to sit under this gunfire. Uh, here's the line right here from the original script. Um, Blaine still opens the same line. That some bitch dug in like an Alabama tick. He spits and he says, bastard could jack us around all day, except we don't have all day, Poncho. And then at that moment, right, Poncho catches the clue and launches the grenades up there. Just mm. so, so that was interesting. That's in there way, way before a lot of this shooting goes down and uh, any improvisation happens and casting and all that happens. Uh, but uh, Blaine or Jesse Ventura had a good feeling that this was going to stay in the movie because he's saying John McTiernan, who's not normally an emotive kind of guy. And we hear that in the director commentary when I talk about it. Um, he actually watched the scene and just walked away laughing and, and just knew, okay, if that's the kind of reaction that we're, we're getting from John McTiernan, then it has a good chance to stay in there. That was a scene that had been originally cut. They weren't going to shoot it. And that I wanted it shot because Richard Chavez and I were both Vietnam veterans and we wanted to do a scene together, the two actual veterans. We were the real veterans of the platoon who had, he was Army, I was Navy. And, uh, and uh, so Richard and I wanted to do that scene. Arnold got sick, so they resurrected the scene and I knew it would get in the film because John McTiernan, the director, never showed any emotion. But when Richard shot the thing and everything, and he says, you got time to duck, McTiernan walked away from that scene laughing. And he had never shown any emotion on any scene. So I knew, I said, that's going to be in the film because McTiernan found that extremely funny. Yeah, because uh, he says that McTiernan was uh, not much of a reactive guy. Like he didn't yeah. show a lot of emotion scene to scene shot to shot and the fact mm -hmm. that he reacted so strongly to this particular scene when they filmed it said to him oh he's going to include this in the final cut jesse jesse ventura uh which is kind of disappointing he says this is not his favorite line in the movie he says his favorite line is makes cambodia look like kansas which <laughs> is i don't know maybe he's trying to speak more to his uh vietnam veteran cred um, but it's it's the line that stuck around has been this one right here that i ain't got time to in believe. the interview it seemed like jesse was just being contrarian to a certain extent like, like yeah. oh, I'm not i agree with you scott that's what i was gonna say too. but yeah the the lack of continuity in that little that little spot makes sense a it fits in with the charm of that whole scene where you don't really understand the layout at all or what's happening you just see people flying mm -hmm. through the air the same guy in multiple scenes Red Baron. uh and uh, i think <laughs> that with the, the final outcome is just your a normal genesis of what you're going to have in any movie when you see a scene that's executed really well and the lines are perfect and all that stuff you're going to shove it in there somehow right so it makes sense i yeah. think it actually it benefits the movie so oh it, it totally does it builds the Absolutely. characters more it's showing the team to be closer and closer and having familiarity and it's a rare moment of levity like we get a little yes. bit of humor there yeah uh and in the interview i don't know if you noticed but part way through the interview like jesse turns his head a little bit and you can see his ears bleeding which is hilarious and everybody in the comments <laughs> is making like oh look look he ain't got time to bleed i ain't got time to bleed 
So if you want to catch the interview, you just have to search up Desi Ventura interview Graham Benzinger. Uh, he sits mm. down for a few minutes and it's segmented on YouTube. I don't know how long the actual full interview is, but uh, there's a nice little chunk where he's talking about Predator and lines and his Hollywood career. Yeah. And uh, the other thing to note here is that uh, Blaine, Jesse Ventura, does uh, admit to having a, a wound, one of the only wounds that come out of, comes out of this battle, right? right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you see, is it, I believe, is it all patched up at this point? Does he have like the white bandage on? I have to double check. Because you see it, you see it in the previous minute when he's firing. No, he doesn't have the bandage on yet. I was going to say, I don't think he does. Yeah, you see it a little bit later, I believe, when they start breaking away from the camp. I think he has the the white cloth over it and some blood staining through it. Yeah. So this is really the only injury that any of our guys <laughs> sustained from this battle. You weren't aware. Right? I mean, yeah. when the t- by the time this movie came out, gorillas were basically the same as stormtroopers. They can't hit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. No. no question no question just yeah. no aim just disorganized just running into gunfire as often as it can <laughs> but scott you 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 picked this money scott before we even started releasing episodes long time ago like six months ago seven months ago and can you can you tell me a little bit about why you picked this minute or what stood out to you about well, it? I, I picked this minute based on I mean, the line. Yeah, well, and it's it stems from that line. Trust me, when I brought it up originally, I wasn't like already thinking of the <laughs> 60 seconds of this exact minute. But um, that, I think that that speaks to why they kept that in the cut, right? It, it just is quintessentially what I recall from the movie. Like one of my favorite parts of the movie is him saying that. It's perfect. So I think that's unfortunate. Like, although that's not super exciting, that's why I picked it. Like, I just love the line and the execution of that scene mm. yeah it's great it is yeah. great it's uh it's a classic and it's a masterpiece very memorable yeah it'd be it'd be fun to hear different people's takes on their favorite lines from the movie maybe that's something i'll put on the facebook group hey easy plug there uh, but i mm. recently created a facebook group for uh, predator minute it's called predator minute listeners palapa so we mentioned that word palapa a lot yeah. of times earlier on and uh my brother Zach, who guessed it last minute, suggested that it was that's what that's what it really stuck and that we're going with now. So join on Facebook if you like. Throw us your favorite predator line if you like. Yeah, anyone out there, come uh, come join the conversation. We've had a few people sign up. John, you've got a couple good threads going there on some good movie explosions and movie stunts, and uh, that's been fun to have a little back and forth. I'd love yeah, to get more thanks. people on there having the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. By, by all means, anybody can start a conversation about whatever Predator or Predator Minute or the Predator franchise or just like your top recommends for the week, whatever those may be, your favorite stunts, like you said, explosions. Uh, but there, there's a, uh, I'm not going to dive into the TV tropes, but just uh, this line you could work into a lot of different characters in popular culture, whether they're superheroes or they're meant to be these kind of invincible figures. And I was wondering, have you guys ever been injured but not notice it until later, similar to what Blaine is possibly going through right now? I couldn't mm. think of one for myself right away, but if you guys had like a, I don't know, fun little story or a nick on you that you didn't see till later, then, <laughs> then and that's when you kind of freak out a little bit. I know it's not exactly the same, but I actually was just 
talking with someone last week about this. You, uh, If you're doing any sort of uh, working out, whether it's weightlifting or running or whatever it is you're doing, and you get sore, and you, you know how you get really sore uh-huh. sometimes from doing something excessively? If you are... Jeff, what? I don't exercise. <laughs> I don't work out. I don't exercise. <laughs> are you talking about masturbation? No. <laughs> no, I'm trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to make a serious, like, measurable <laughs> reference, which is <laughs> oh, it's it's done. Uh, it's done. Never mind. Oh no, 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 no! I'm Finish just making it. a joke. Finish Please it. go ahead. Well, no, it's uh, if you if you're if you're um, significantly like sore somewhere, if you go and then you're doing the same thing again, like you're running again, even though you were sore, you don't really notice. Mm-hmm it while you're while you're running or while you're doing the activity you don't necessarily Mm. feel it when your brain's so busy doing all that other stuff so i think it it is natural to have that occur where you're you're too preoccupied with the most important things to your survival or whatever it is at the moment to notice that thing it gets kind of deprioritized right i think your brain has innate ability to do that like okay yes ouchie, ouchie me, but I'm dead if I don't deal with this. So like it, it just puts it on the back burner for a minute. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. Just that pain going away while you have to do work. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I just had an Austrian accent there. Um, <laughs> the only uh, good story I could think of was uh, I, I broke a bone in my hand one time while I was skiing <gasps> and uh, didn't realize it for about a half an hour. Oh, um, yeah. I was, it was one of those dumb things too. Uh, this was like in my early twenties. Like I spent most of my teenage years when I was a, I'm a pretty avid skier. And I, you know, when you're a teenager, you just do the dumbest shit. And I used oh, to yeah. just throw myself down like steep hills and mogul fields and off jumps and small cliffs and stuff all the time with my buddies with just no regard for my own personal safety. Mm-hmm. Never, ever hurt myself. And then one, one day I was skiing down just a gentle cat track with a buddy of mine and we were just goofing around and kind of bumped into each other and my uh, ski got caught up in his snowboard and it made me kind of skid to a stop and fall over. And the way I fell, my hand got caught up in my ski pole and just twisted my wrist in the wrong direction. Uh. And I I got a, a kind of a spiral fracture in one of my... I guess it's called a metacarpal, one of the bones in the back of your hand. Yeah. And uh, in the time I was like, you know, with something like that, you're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. Right. We're good. And uh, I just kept on going for another run or two. But soon my hand started swelling and, and really the pain started to hurt to the point that I was getting like lightheaded. <laughs> and I was like, I need to go down to first aid. And turns out that uh, I did, in fact, break a bone in the back of my hand. So Ooh. that's my only experience with that, where um, my ego got in the way of, uh, of an injury. So, mm, ouch. Yeah, ouch. that's all I got. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's mighty fine. That's a good one. And I know yeah. Scott is an avid skier, too, so you guys could oh, swap nice. ski stories. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could go more now, but my kids ruin everything. So I can't <laughs> go as often as I used to be able to. <laughs> Darn kids. Yeah. I just want to go skiing. Um, so, John, should we – that kind of rounds things out here. Uh, did you have anything else to add at the very end of this minute? Yeah, um, before we talk about uh, Dylan, Dylan running up to the Palapa, which is really a non-scene until the next minute. 
the yeah. last couple of things I have is that Jesse Ventura titled a politics book. I ain't got time to bleed reworking the body mm-hmm. politic from the bottom up. Uh, so you can find that on, you know, different book sites and read some reviews and see what that's all about i don't know really working it really working that line really working that line jesse if that's not your favorite line you are a liar yeah (laughs) right he he didn't name the book make Cambodia look like kansas no he did not (laughs) did he because he doesn't want to offend the kansas delegates that's right i'm telling you yeah there you go no it's not so I actually wrote something down and I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I cracked up when I saw it earlier and I just caught my note now. But when um cracked when Dutch are having their exchange, um at the end of that exchange, Dutch gives him several commands, one of which is no traces. Good work, Mac. Clear the area, no traces. Get the men ready to move. And after the exchange that just happened, okay. I'm really glad you brought Seriously, that up. Seriously, we need no trees. No trees. Destroyed. We shot 1,200 rounds. We need no traces. No traces. The minigun alone probably fired, I don't know, four or 5,000 rounds. We'd be picking those up for days. Oh, my God. How about, how about just the cleansing piece of the rep of the gorillas? Like, Come on, dude. What do you mean no traces? No traces. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing that yes. up. I made a note about that, Thank and we kind of glossed over it, and I forgot to bring it up again. But that is my favorite part of that paragraph. He's like, "No traces, no traces." <laughs> what? You just set the jungle on fire, like no traces. <laughs> there's a black hole in the middle of the jungle. No traces. What do you mean, no traces? <laughs> we just ended a hundred lives. No traces. <laughs> Violently, yeah. Oh my God! It no look traces. like an accident. Yeah. Just throw some throw some leaves over the top of it. No traces. Like I, I know, I know my what? There was a, what is he a talking bit of a continuity about? Continuity error in terms of this podcast, but I couldn't let it go. I had to remind myself. No traces. Yeah. No. Thank you. I'm glad you brought that, that up. That is again. a great point because I wrote that down. And I heard you guys saying it, and I thought, oh, that's kind of a silly thing to say. But even Mac, just, even Mac yes, just sir. says, "All right, all right." Like puts on his hat. <laughs> I want to see this cleanup duty. I want to see the twelve movies they had to make after this. Just cleaning the jungle. Just no traces. No traces. Does that scene Dexter style and like Saran wrap the whole freaking jungle? No traces. You're gonna have some traces. No traces. Right. <laughs> or even better, they like kind of prop up all the dead bodies in like the original positions. <laughs> like, you have the oh, gutters, it's like, like Weekend of Bernie's <laughs> Three, the gorilla camp. You have Sven Ali Thorson like sitting up with the paper <laughs> in his hand and sunglasses on. <laughs> no traces. Oh my god. Oh, dude, no traces. That that is actually fuck. I ain't got time to bleed. No traces is the best line. I think that's that's an iconic line. No traces. All right. (laughs) I can't wait to see how they clean this up in the next three hours. Uh, But uh, I think the last thing I have about Blaine is that his line, "I ain't got time to bleed." sadly ties into his death uh, in about 13 or 12 minutes later it definitely foreshadows his fate in that he's saying he ain't got time to bleed well the way he's killed Dutch and Dylan make note that the wound is cauterized after he's blasted by the laser cannon on the predator's shoulder and he isn't bleeding at all after that wound is cauterized so he is still mm. 
and not having time to bleed after he's killed. I ain't got time to bleed. Hmm. That's a good point. But I, I think that's all I have for the minute. Like, like like we noted before, last half second of the minute, we just see Dylan running towards the Palapa. We don't even see his face, but we know it's him. Yeah. By the way, he's running all giddily like, <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Dylan! Yeah. <laughs> made the made the big find, the big reveal. And I have actually a typo on my kill count. Oh. Oh, can't believe it. Because our update to the kill count is that we are not at 74 like last minute. We're actually at 77, adding on the two killed by the Ponchito grenade and the great yeah. exchange between Ponchito and Blaine. And then of course Mac mentioning that he found the other Mac, hostage Mac. killed. Found the other guy. He's dead too. So that puts us uh, at oh, now eight good, good guys. Thank you very much. And so we have eight good guys killed so far on screen or off screen implied, as well as sixty nine bad. Are guys. you guys nice. are you guys running uh, like next 69. gen stats on this? So like we know how many like bad guys per minute and and what the you know wins above or <laughs> dead guys above uh, replacement is. <laughs> replacement value. <laughs> I would say they're pretty much equal to replacement value if that's what they're showing. Us Especially when they use the or, same guy. Yeah, three probably times. below replacement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that guy's indestructible then. He's, he has a high war. I love that guy. <laughs> Red Baron. So, yeah. Red, Red Baron. Red Baron. Red Baron. So, we're either killing off two leftover gorillas in this minute and the unseen other hostage over killing Mars guy and Mars guy Mark II, I think, and Red Baron Mark IV. <laughs> I think for yeah. your future, yeah. really, it's, it's for your future point. count, Red Baron should have been one of the guys mm-hmm. that was in the nest. Red Baron. You can't tell, so just count him. I, yeah, I, I'm wondering too if like they had more of this explosion going on after Punchido throws the or launches the grenades up there. If maybe they added some stunt and then they thought, you know, we don't have time to show these guys blowing up. But the way it's filmed, it's hard to tell. It also just kind of looks like they're detonating some leftover explosives That's on right. top of the mound. Uh, I got nothing else. I think we've wrapped up this minute. Awesome. So good wrap up, y'all. And this is the part yeah. of the show where we ask, what's something that you would recommend? Um, whether it's a movie or a show or an article of clothing that you're really finding comfortable these days. Um, yeah, maybe a, a new jock strap. Uh, maybe some, <laughs> some new nice. shoes or some old shoes or a new sports team you're following. Because it's the current <laughs> one stinking it up. But Scott, you're the guests. What do you have in the way of recommends for us? All right, recommends. Now, some of it may be behind the times, but since everything's on demand, uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, I, I've doesn't really matter. been, I've been enjoying uh, the Grand Tour on uh, Prime now. Uh, do you, the guys did? Hmm. Uh, what do you call it? Top Gear. Yes, Top Gear, the original Top, Top Gear guy. Oh, pull that one out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've been enjoying that show. I've also been, uh, secretly to my shame, enjoying the, uh, the great British baking show and something else. I love that one. I watched that one. I love the the baking show is fantastic. Great British baking show. It's one of those, it's a guilty pleasure for sure. But, um, Mm -hmm. 
And again, even though the movie already came out, I just finished the book Ready Player One, which was a fantastic book, one of the best I've read. Oh, the book is so time. good, yeah. Yeah. Did you like the movie too, either of you guys? I love the movie personally. I did. Uh, it's Ready Player One. like adapted screenplay or whatever you want to call Like Steven Spielberg said, well, I can't do that from the book, so I'm going to do this and accomplish the same end goal, but different method, right? Yeah, I, I, I was a little more lukewarm on the movie myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that's been a better minute, and uh, yeah. thanks for joining us. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. Sorry, everybody that liked Ready Player One. Uh, I, I liked it enough. I, I just, uh, I'm a big fan of the book, and um, yeah, I, it was okay. Well, it was fine. Well, it was, was fine. way better. Yeah, it was. I like I liked them about the same for different reasons, so I, I kind of put them on equal footing myself. But all right. All right, we'll take, we'll take that recommend. That's a solid recommend from... I was going to say Ponchito from Scott. <laughs> I'm looking at your Zencaster name. <laughs> All right, Jeff, Mama Fratelli, what, what do you have uh, in the old recommend pot for us? So I'm going to recommend a movie today. Ooh. As uh, many uh, people know, I tend to lean towards the action, the horror, the genre films out there. Um, several months ago, I caught a... A new horror movie that came out in two, I think officially came out in 2017. It became available last year on VOD, and I just recently revisited it again because it showed up on Shudder, uh, which is a horror streaming service. And that movie is called Revenge. 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 And it is, um, it's really good. It is a uh, French film uh, directed by a woman. And it is kind of her take on well, there's a there's a subgenre of of horror movies. It's not not the nicest of sub subgenres, especially back in like the 70s. It's called like the rape and revenge mm. subgenre. Um, movies like Last House on the Left or I Spit on Your Grave mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. fall into wow. this category. This is more of a kind of a modern reimagining of that type of film. Um, and the fact that it's directed by a woman, I think, makes it a little more interesting. Uh, but anyway, it's about a, a woman who is spending uh, some time with her with a man who you later find out is married. And they're at kind of a desert uh, vacation house with a pool. Things happen. Some two other men show up that are friends of the man that she's with. Things go bad. She's assaulted. And no one is there to help her. And essentially she runs out into the desert with these three men chasing after her. Um, and it becomes a story of her taking revenge on these three men for what happened. It's very violent, but it is also a gorgeously shot and filmed movie. I really liked it the first time I watched it, and I liked it even more when I revisited it. So if you like horror movies, um, this is one I definitely recommend you check out. It is streaming right now on Shudder. It is called Revenge. Mm, okay. Sounds like a pretty uh, intense movie. It is. It is quite intense. Um, and it has some some scenes in it that are unforgettable that will make you squirm in your seat, for better or for worse. But it's, uh, it's an incredibly well-made movie, and the ending is very satisfying. So I highly recommend it. It's a masterpiece. Right. If you have the stomach for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, how about you, John? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, I watched recently uh, the Netflix series Russian Doll with Natasha Leone. Oh, I've been wanting to check this out. Oh, it's it's great uh, in terms of length. It's super short. It's about 25-minute episodes, and there are eight of them as per the usual Netflix formula. And so you end up 
you can end up watching this over a couple days if you really <laughs> are strategizing your time wisely. <laughs> uh, but it, it is it is a great uh, series in, in terms of jumping around of time. Uh, if you don't know the concept, it's a fairly commonly used concept. It's that Groundhog Day conceit where you're living, you're reliving uh, a single day or time length over and over again, and you have to find a way out of that time loop. It's really played really well with uh, Natasha Leone as the lead, Nadia. Uh, Natasha plays such a, Natasha Leone plays such a, a cool character that it's all part of this character's deconstruction as the series goes on, um, that you're just really wanting her to find the way out because you're, you're watching someone essentially start to lose their mind as the day is repeated over and over and they can't figure their way out. Uh, but the way they play with the reboots every single time super effective if you remember uh, the iconic song that bill murray was waking up to every day uh you know the the share and sunny bono song um at the beginning of his day every time hitting the alarm clock well she has i think uh, in this show an even better reboot song where as you hear it over and over again as each one resets like the song starts to take on a different meaning and the, the way that you sound the cinematography and the lighting uh, is, is really really showing you what kind of deconstruction that she's going through but i highly recommend it russian doll go watch it on netflix and heck you know you have my permission to watch the whole thing all at the same time it's fun that's awesome i didn't know that it was a groundhog day situation mm -hmm. uh, that makes me want to see it even more that's awesome yeah I, I i watched the preview and at first i was thinking i don't know if that's doing much for me but then netflix you know how netflix is they said john this is a 98 percent match and i said oh, dang that's really high like i can't say no to 98 percent. how can you <laughs> so i went for, um, yeah how, how can you so I went forward and I do not regret it. I think it's a great series. It would be way fun to just, you know, watch it with a group of people and see as things start to change over the reboots. Uh, you can start to point each other out to like, oh, there's, a, there's, there's something else going on there. Or like, here's another theory I have. It's, it's, it's a neat little, it's a neat series for that kind of speculation and discussion. Have you guys seen uh, Happy Death Day, the horror comedy? I've, I've heard of it. I know the plot of the first one. Um, then I know they just made a second one, so you kind of know the fates yeah. of the first movie's characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, they you just you talked about the uh, like the Bill Murray waking up to the same song over and over again, mm -hmm. and then they do that again in Russian Doll. They do they also do that in um, Happy Death Day. Uh, um, it's pretty funny too. Yeah, awesome. That's a good one. It's a that's a PG thirteen horror, so <laughs> it might be up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm not one for strong horror thematic elements uh, i'm a little bit too sensitive i'll be running up the stairs like there's a monster i hate that feeling i hate it <laughs> yeah I, I i saw a really funny um do you remember the most interesting man in the world yes. for dos Equis? that like oh, I yeah. to, uh, a few years ago, that meme was really popular. That image with the text over it, where right, it, it would say something, and then at the bottom it would be the kicker for that. And <laughs> I cannot find this image right now, but uh, and I've looked for this a few times. But the one notable meme for me was something like <laughs> the top of the meme says, "I don't always run up the stairs," and then like I don't always run up the stairs after watching a scary movie, then at the bottom it just says, just kidding, yes I do. 
<laughs> totally applies to me. Just the last time I was in my parents' house, and I'm a grown ass man, like 38 years old. Now you're coming up from downstairs, That's and I good. swear there was something hot on my heels. I, I hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, not the best feeling. But Jeff, apparently, you're immune to this, and you love that feeling. I don't know. I've I've been desensitized. Yeah. <laughs> oh. To be well, I got. Uh, does that round us out there? John? That rounds us out. Now we talk about where we can find each other. Hey, there you are. I found you. I found you. Uh, <laughs> but Scott, you're the guest. Where can people find you? Uh, excitingly, I am findable on Twitter, and that would be at uh, Scott underscore Fogel dot. Or that's it. At Scott underscore Fogel. F O G L E. And Jeff, where can people find you? Hey, I found you. Oh, you all know because you all flooded my account. You can find me at capital K Carl underscore capital H Hungus 314. My name is Carl H. Carl Hungus 314. I'm on Twitter. I'm on the Facebook. I'm on the Instagram. <laughs> I'm looking at your profile. I just now saw that you put up the image as your profile picture of Mama Fratelli next to Central American Mama Fratelli. <laughs> Oh, that right. is great. <laughs> yep. Come follow me to see funny profile pictures. It has been long enough that I actually forgot that it was Carl Hungus Pie. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> John, where can we find you and the rest of Predator Minute on the internet? Oh, for all your dirty deeds done dirt cheap, you can find us at Predator Minute on the Twitter. We're also on Facebook, Predator Minute. And like I said before, we have a specialty facebook group predator minute listeners palapa hop on there join up the, uh, with the group and start the discussion about something anything really just we we want to we want to <laughs> see what what you're all thinking about the podcast or the movie predator or your own weekly recommends it's fun to see what other people are listening to and watching that they would recommend but if you have anything else to add that you just want to say hey i want to hear this on the show or i have this suggestion or this is a time where i didn't have time to bleed <laughs> then email us predator minute at gmail.com for predator minute i've been john zabriskie and i'm jeff glover and i'm a grateful scott fogel <laughs> and until <laughs> next time stick around or alternatively i ain't got time to bleed i ain't got time to bleed <laughs> You got time to duck? You got time to duck? Awesome. Just with a little background, how did you guys know each other? Oh, hmm. uh, that, that's a that's a long, long. So, long. If I if I could, John, so yeah, you I, can. Uh, I I knew Sarah before I knew John, mm-hmm. uh, but only briefly. Uh, Sarah started teaching across the hall from me when she was she took a long term sub job um, across the hall from me, and then she got a full time job there. And then, John, you were subbing, right? Yeah, then I was subbing across the hall from Sarah. Yeah. And I ran over to my <clears throat> to my 
own subbing classroom. Subbing? I was subbing for you. you were I was subbing for you, Jeff. Oh, snap. Oh, my gosh. I am instrumental in your love, you guys. This sounds like a soap opera, guys. So what you're basically saying is... I'm keeping that line. I'm instrumental in your love. I'm recording right now. If it wasn't for me, you would never be married. You're welcome. No kidding. And, (laughs) Scott, I don't know if uh, at our wedding, but Jeff was the DJ at our wedding. That's true. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I was looking at old pictures of the wedding, and yeah, I could see Jeff in the background, just like <laughs> smiling goofily, just like, yeah, this is doing what I love, which uh, is kicking the hot jams on the ones and twos. It's the block rock and beats. <laughs> block rock and beats. <laughs> Slow jams. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was a match made in heaven. John was subbing. Sarah was a former sub. Mm-hmm. I was subbing for you. Yeah, you're subbing for me. That's so funny. I did not really God, realize that, that that's how you guys first connected. Was you were subbing for me? That's so that blows awesome. my mind. Yes, Just that's so great. The triangulation of the universe. It's mm. very trigonometric, if you will. It really yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we were teaching homies for years because you ended up getting a job at our school as well. Yes. Yeah. Nice. That was a fun time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I am instrumental in your love, 